In this era of social media perfection, we often are better able to see curated accounts of success, but very rarely, if ever, get to hear about the grit, challenges, and moments of clarity it took to achieve that success. Do you have really big dreams, but sometimes feel stuck or overwhelmed? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Treasure Hunters. This is the podcast for people forging new paths who also need a little inspiration and truth from people who have walked the walk. I'm Lauren McKnight. I'm an artist, creative, and fellow seeker. Now, I've already lived multiple lives at this point, and along the way, I've been extraordinarily blessed to meet some very interesting and inspiring people. Every week, I get to sit down and chat with my fellow seekers while they share pieces of their very unorthodox journeys, they drop practical gems, and give us pearls of wisdom that we can use along the way. This is Treasure Hunters. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's another week of Treasure Hunters podcast. I'm your host, Lauren McKnight, and today's guest is, in fact, the first superhero I think I ever met in my life. I was maybe a few months old. (laughs) My amazing cousin, Jessica McKay, she is an educator, a super mom, a super wife, the best friend, and the best big cousin I could ever ask for. And I had to have her on here because I find it interesting how she is able to pivot from being an educator to an author more, more recent times. Welcome, Jessica. I knew there had to be an air horn. <laughs> I mean, obviously. This is a celebration. Thank um, you, Lauren. It should well, not shock any of you that over the course of this podcast, many of my family members will be joining me because I just happen to be related to some of the most often human beings on the planet. and we are so proud of you so as you started saying this is a celebration this is a celebration of treasure hunters i'm so proud of you this is going to be a mutual love fest all along the way if this is a heads up anybody want to throw up i suggest you turn (laughs) off now um because it's going to be excessive (laughs) oh happy for you Oh, thank you, Jacob. I, I so, just had to say that. I receive it. I love you. <laughs> Thanks love for you joining too. this like weirdo little corner of the internet. Um, <laughs> so I ask everybody at the beginning of every episode this question, mm-hmm. which is if mm-hmm. we were to ask a younger version of Jessica McKay, who or what they wanted to be when they grew up, what would she say? Mm, Maybe Jessica McKnight. (laughs) Oh, Jessica Uh, McKnight. True. True. Jessica McKnight would definitely a teacher for sure. Hands down. Um, You know this, your fellow cousins. (laughs) (laughs) We laugh because you're probably everyone who is in our family is probably triggered by this, but I, I was the family teacher. I loved playing school. I loved everything about teaching. You all were my first students. Um, and yeah, I was just drawn to it. I loved my maternal grandmother was a teacher. I loved 
sitting in her living room and playing uh, or this wasn't when I was playing school, but just helping her uh, grade papers or watching her in her element. Um, my paternal great grandmother, also an educator. And I, for some reason, we had her um, lesson plans and her composition books. And I remember just really paging through them and being in awe of that perfect penmanship the the it's really the love that I um felt when I would be um admiring a lot of the lesson plans and so yeah I would say I don't know why um I was drawn to these things I think you know Oprah calls them God whispers I think about that a lot because I can't even make sense of of why but yeah, from a young age, it was a it was a calling, and um, and so that was that was kind of like the youngest. That's what I would say, the youngest version of myself. I mean, um, as your co-teacher, Miss Mary J. Blige, I have to say, <laughs> you were the best educator I ever came across <laughs> in my childhood. <laughs> Obviously, we I were think... never bored in our <laughs> growing up. Never. I think I was Miss Whitley Gilbert, maybe yeah. you were Miss Mary J. Blige. Miss Mary J. Blige, the co-teacher, Miss um, Whitley Gilbert, head of the class. Yes. Oh my goodness, we were wild. Um, <laughs> I mean, also we had like a bajillion of us growing up. And so I, when I think about, you know, I call it the first wave of us, you know, the first eight, the original eight yes. that grew up one after the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally, of course, literally one after the <laughs> other. Um, and I think about, you know, all of my, all of my, all of us have very specific natural inclinations. And mm-hmm. to your point, like, I couldn't have imagined you doing anything else because you were such, you were always been so patient you've always been, your attention to detail is stellar. When I, when I say that, I mean, the way, your ability to pay attention to how all of us need to communicate our best communicated to, um, mm. and how we pick up on things. I mean, we, you just naturally do that. This is your natural gift. And so it doesn't yeah. surprise me that you wanted to be a teacher when we were growing up <laughs> for obvious yeah. reasons, but then also just, you know, how you have showed up for us and continue to show up for all of us. Um, we come from a very large family. I cannot stress that enough. Um, <laughs> huge. Um, yes. our, our fathers are two of nine and your mom yeah. is one of five. And so mm-hmm. we, we, we were a gang. Yeah. I couldn't even call it just like a family gathering. We, we were a gang. I don't gang, think I was gang. in school without one of you guys until I got to high school. Yeah, that's true. At a minimum. There was at and a minimum even, one. And even during high school, you all still came over our house every morning and then left from there for some reason. I don't even remember the details, but point is we were still always together before we went in our separate carpools. All up, all up in each other's face. <laughs> Happily. Happily. So just talk to me a little bit more about your formal, you know, formal education. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you went to the number one HBCU in the country. I said it. Fight me. <laughs> the Spelman College. 
um, followed by your graduate program at like one of the top, if not the top um, programs at Teachers College at Columbia. So if you could tell me a little bit about how each of those experiences shaped your trajectory, um, because they're very different and I'm sure there's some Mm -hmm. crossover, but kind of tell me about what, what those moments meant for you. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like to say that, um, each chapter of my life was really perfect for where I was at the time. And so like, I'll, I'll even go back a little bit and indirectly answer a question, but, you know, growing up in DC in the eighties and nineties, I feel like that was so nurturing just to be surrounded by black excellence and in a major city, obviously the nation's capital, but still a very small, um, small city. Um, But then, yeah, to, to add to that, I feel like being in Atlanta was the perfect place for college for me. Um, Spelman, you know, again, it's this um, nurturing space where I felt like I um, was around my people, not to say that we are homogeneous at all, because there is so much diversity in Black people and Black women. But again, just to be for the one time in my life surrounded by other Black women, it's it's unheard of, it's rare. And those were just precious four years of my life to have that much um, support and nurturing of my own individual growth. And then fast forward to grad school to go on to Columbia Teachers College in New York City. Um, it was it was just a chance for me to take all that I learned from growing up in DC, being at Spelman and in Atlanta, surrounded by my people to, you know, all of a sudden this huge city, huge university and campus. Um, and by then just really have that established foundation and and kind of um, soar and and be able to um, really see the sky as the limit and and be among anybody. Um, and so that that did it, it only allowed my confidence to soar and to fly from there. Um, and but I will say being at Columbia the the program I was in, Um, was the English education program. And so it just so happened to be um, a lot of my classes were pretty small. I I still remember my teaching of writing class where it was a small evening class um, that met for hours. We would even have like a rotation of dinner. So you would bring dinner in the middle of the class. Anyway, it was um, about 10 students we were all women our professor was a young woman and um so even though I was at this huge university somehow the universe kept bringing me to these small nurturing spaces and this is just an example of one class that um it 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 really felt um I keep using the word nurturing but it just it it felt like um I yet again, you know, found like-minded people who were um, dedicated. I never felt like I was um, just a number 
in any of the institutions where I was. Okay, okay. And would you say, you know, being in such a nurturing space allowed you to stretch outside of outside of the classroom in a way that has, you know, inspired you today? Yes, definitely. Um, yeah, that's a great question. I, I feel like the um, confidence that you can get just from having um, not only teachers, but like understanding that the whole institution is there to support you. Um, I always wanted that for, for my students. Um, and so just, yeah, really, there's a quote that, you know, you can't, you can't learn when you know that it, I'm, I'm butchering this, but you can't learn when you know that teacher, um, when there's love there. And so um, when you have those experiences of a teacher um, showing up, seeing you, knowing who you are, um, you know, I feel like the, the first few uh, weeks of a class are not even about the teaching. It's about getting to know each student and then building on that um, as the year, but still returning to who are you. I, one of my favorite um, units from teaching was the memoir unit. And I started every year teaching my fifth graders. We read different memoirs. You know, Lois Lowry has a memoir for young adult um, literature. Um, Beverly Cleary, Roald Dahl. So there are all these amazing memoirs that each group would read. And along the way, they were writing their own memoirs. And it, it was just such a fun way and a beautiful way to teach writing, but also to get to know the students and for them to, you know, get to know themselves and, and build those relationships to get the year started. I still want to take your class. Can I be in it? <laughs> Can I come? Can I come? Can I come? Yes. Um, you were. You were my first student. I was. I was. But I know stuff now. We could. We could go toe to toe. You were the only one who listened to me. Listen, I, I'd be geeked. I'm like, all right, cool. We doing this. The rest of them, we don't. That's know. why you got promoted to co-teacher. That's why I became Miss Mary J. Blige. <laughs> so I have to ask, like. At what point did you know you wanted to be an author? Because mm -hmm. I don't know if I've said this yet, but Jessica got a whole book coming out in April, a beautiful children's book. Yes. And I want to talk about that piece mm -hmm. um, because I know that you're a voracious reader. We come from a long line of them, um, but writing, I just want to know a little bit about, you know, how that became a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a, it, it's kind of a zigzag. It's, it wasn't like I one day decided and all of a sudden, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Um, it, well, first of all, um, you know, as I said, I started off um, in my childhood saying I wanted to be a teacher. Um, there was a brief period um, in my adolescence, teenage years, where 
you know, I admire my parents so much. I said, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a pediatrician like my mom, but um, it didn't last too long because I realized the sciences and math, they just weren't for me. That, that's not where my love and my passions were. But then um, in high school, at around that same time, I was enjoying, I, love, I was falling in love with writing. Um, and so I went on to college, majored in English, still was saying, I want to be a teacher. Again, these, these role models um, in my family, in terms of grandmothers and great-grandmothers, well, also not just them, but um, the teachers I had growing up went to Shepherd Elementary School. In Come on, Shepherd Elementary School, <laughs> Shepherd Park. Listen, yes. if anybody here <laughs> knows what's up with Shepard, because can I tell you, yes, that please. school school is so responsible for literally shaping me into the academic person that I am, the curious person that I am, the yes. proud Black woman that I am. I mean, yes. we just had some of the most phenomenal teachers and I you yeah. know I guess I was there fourth through sixth grade so like very yeah. integral point in your life mm-hmm. where you're starting to figure out who you're who you are what your identity is and yeah. I that is a hill I will die on Shepherd yeah. Elementary School <laughs> was pivotal yeah critical to my development and Seriously. I just love that you shouted that out um, yeah I can't talk about education without talking about that experience. And I can't talk about Black women educators without talking about those teachers. So, you know. Down to the principal. Shout out to Miss yes. Williams. Miss Williams. Who and she was so fly. Yo, yes. she was the flyest. <laughs> and Fair I still Wade. remember, yes, like all of these teachers, you know, they taught us um, with such love and and the expectations were so high there were no limits no you know oh you you can't do this so I'm gonna I'm gonna have you um I'm only gonna teach teach it in this easy way everything was challenging everything was uh, basically a statement and a belief that we can do it and so um yeah if you, you can't see what you can't be were an institution outside of the institution I am quoting mm-hmm. it would be that just perfect sight guys of a moment at Shepherd Elementary School in the 90s exactly. for us and, and beyond because right. let's be honest our, our parents were educated there too so mm-hmm. huge huge yeah. um that makes yeah. so much sense because yeah. it's true there was never a question if we could do any of it and we were always pushed we were always challenged. Um, I learned one of my first favorite big words from a teacher there, ludicrous, oh. not the oh, rapper. Yes. Come Baker. through Ms. Josephine <laughs> Baker. Listen, <laughs> listen. I couldn't tell you who half of my high school teachers were and I couldn't tell you who mm-hmm. half of my professors were in college, but it's I so remember Shepherd Elementary School vividly. Yeah. It is so true. And even the ones that we didn't have, like you said, the lower elementary, but I remember tutoring in Miss Bridges class yes. at lunchtime. Like I loved going and helping her. And I was a um, helper in Miss Holcomb's class. Miss Holcomb. Minnie Holcomb in the kindergarten yes. class. Exactly. 
Yeah. So because of that, I, um, when I went to college and majored in English, when I saw myself teaching, I always saw it as a lifetime thing. Like I, I really, you know, I started to despise and not care for programs like teach for America, where it's like teach for two years, do something else. Cause I'm like, no, this is, it goes completely against what teaching, what I believe good educating looks like, because I saw it in Miss Bridges and Miss Baker and they were committed, you know, for life. This was, mm-hmm. this wasn't just a couple year stint in something just to help people out. It was like, no, this was, we were all in the community together. This is not like me up here, you down here. It was, it was really, um, you know, a whole community of black excellence. So anyway, all that to say, um, because I knew in my head, education, educating was like a lifelong, um, labor of love and commitment. Um, I said, I don't want to start until I'm really ready. And at the same time, I'm falling in love with writing. So I want to, I think I want to be a writer while I'm cool and young and do the Khadija James, you know, like (laughs) work at a magazine. (laughs) Come on, Flavor Unit. (laughs) I was like, so that's, that's what I want to do. I'm going to write for a while, few years. And then like, once I settle down, I'm going to teach for the rest of my life. So. God has a different plan, as we always know. Um, and I started, actually, the magazine I had an internship with closed or something, you know, it folded for some reason. And at the same time, there was this new school in D.C. that the, the, the mission really um, resonated with me. And um, one thing led to another. I started teaching, fell in love with teaching, then I went to grad school, then I started Um, I was teaching in New York as I was in grad school. So all along the way, while I was teaching, you know, um, but I've always written, like I write with my students, then fast forward, I became a mother um, and was always reading to them, continued teaching in the classroom. um, And continued to teaching all of us because if, can I tell you that like there isn't a week that goes by where I'm not getting some piece of like article or podcast, <laughs> podcast. or some, some things I should be up on Aww. to get my life together <laughs> Jessica like when she says she's a lifelong educator that is no bs yes and so that is what I what I learned because in my head I had this vision of you know Miss Baker, like I said, Miss Bridges, but what I learned was, um, and I'm getting to the heart of your question, but uh, my last year in the classroom, I was pregnant with my third child, Claude, and in my classroom, I always had this passion project part of our week where students could do passion projects, and I would always, you know, my teaching partner and I, um, facilitated it we supported whatever if if there was a student doing a knitting project in the community service you wanted to knit something and then donate the scarves and sweaters we were all we were supporting her we would help her do the research it was that kind of environment but this last year I knew 
you know, having three kids back to back, I made the decision to stop working for a while. And um, I said, this is my last year in this classroom. I'm going to do a passion project with my students. What could it be? And I went back to writing. I said, I'm going to write a children's book for my boys. I knew I was pregnant with a girl. I said, I'm going to write a story for my boys just as a gift to them. Really wasn't thinking anything of it. And I happened to have a classroom full of really amazing boys that year. Like they were just on it in every way. Like the, the you know, academics, their character, their kindness. They were, they were very athletic, you know, and, and energetically, they were just amazing. So I remember sitting with them, getting ideas from them, like, Hey, what do you call this? Cause the book, it, that one has not been published yet, but um, I said, I, I wanted it to be um, a book about like these boys, they were athletes, but they were also upstanders. So anyway, um, I'll talk about that another time, but I would, you know, I would kind of case study with them like, hey, what do you call this term in basketball? And what do you call this? And it was just fun. So anyway, I did that. And I, I would say that that was the turning point that really brought me back into writing like back full circle. So when I say like, I had this plan of being like a writer for a little bit and then teacher forever, it really was the opposite. And so, um, you know, and I, I love that you pointed that out, that teaching is just is not just limited to the classroom because now that I am publishing my first book and- um, Wait, 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 say that again. Now that you're doing <laughs> what? I'm publishing my first book. <laughs> my cousin's um, a whole authoress. Yes, I am. But that is another level. It's another form, another iteration of, teaching. And so it really is blowing my mind to think that all the things that I put out there got jumbled up and switched around. Maybe the order got switched around, but it's all in the name of education. And now it's bringing the messages that I would once bring to students to the masses. So um, one is just an extension of the other, um, I think is my main takeaway and aha moment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so your book, Always With You, Always With Me, comes out in April. Yes. And talk to us a little bit about the idea for the book, um, how it came mm -hmm. to be, and just some things that you learned in the process of publishing. Because I know that yeah. as a first timer, there has to be a lot that's kind mm -hmm. of gone into that process. Yeah. So yes, book always with you, always with me, written by yours truly and Kelly Rowland. Um, my co-writer is amazing. I'm so grateful and blessed to have had that whole experience. Um, basically, it's a book where there's a mother and a child and the, it walks the reader through the days of the week in a life of a child with a working mother. Um, and so I guess, you know, again, this came about when Chase, who is my second, was a toddler um, and he's the same age as Kelly's son and they're in, they're in school together. They were in class together at the time. Claude was a baby 
Um, and I, I was just going back to work. Like I m- mentioned before, I stopped teaching, took a little break, had Claude. And then uh, I feel like she was four months. I went back to work as an associate director of admissions at a new school that had not even opened yet. So the admissions team was admitting the first classes of this whole new school. Um, so you can imagine the importance of that role. We were basically setting setting the tone of the whole school based on the families we admitted. Uh, I say all that just to say we were working around the clock and I had three kids at home. And Kelly at the time was doing um, The Voice in Australia. So she was flying back and forth from LA to Australia all the time, missing Titan, you know, on the plane, having all the feelings about that. Because again, he was about Titan and Chase were like three. Um, So it's just one of those things where sometimes you write the book that you need to read. And that's what it was for us. Um, we are working mothers, and I, um, you know, my I, as an English teacher, I love books. So my kids have like every book that's out there, the YA books. I've read them all with my students, and I realized there are very few, if any, books with a um, working mom character. And so I said, you know, this this has got to change. When you talk to anybody, any mother, what is she going through? It's the mom guilt. It's the, I'm going back to work. My sister-in-law just went back yesterday after her maternity leave. Um, And anywhere you turn and you talk to a mother, they're dealing with that guilt of going back to work, going out to work every day. Um, Or, you know, and we call it modern motherhood in general, because it's not just if you have a nine to five actually working, but just you could be leaving the house to go take care of yourself, go to the gym. Like mothers these days, we there, there's just a new um, portrayal of us that I think needs to be out there in the media in a way that is normalized and not uh, laden with such heavy shame or guilt. And so that is our goal just to normalize it for children. There's kind of a refrain throughout the book that I'm so excited for everyone to hear um, and to read to their children, um, you know, as you return to work or um, share, share it with friends anytime you need that. The idea is even when we are physically apart, we're still together and you know, when you think about, I think about my own mother um, and generations, it's always been the case, especially for Black mothers. Um, and so I, <laughs> I wanted to bring um, bring that story to my own children, Kelly, the same way. We just really believe in it so much. So that that is the goal is just really to normalize it, to share in the range of emotions that comes with it and, um, you know, have uh, a whole generation of children and beyond who can know that this is, this is completely what it is and hopefully inspire because that's the other kind of secondary tertiary benefit of it all is like um, inspiring children or showing children that 
while we love our children so much, and that is, um, you know, you're our number one, it's also healthy for us to have passions outside of our home and outside of our um, family and our role as a mother as well. And, and so for them to see that, I think is equally important. And speaking of little people that you inspire, um, <laughs> three of my favorite human beings to every human, uh, Carter, Chase, and Miss Claude, <laughs> how do they continue to inspire you? Like, in what ways can you, can you feel yourself being inspired for future works um, through the lens of these magical human beings um, and your equally magical husband? Shout out to husband, yeah. Montreal. Shout out to Montreal. Yeah, I mean, they really, they are my everything. Um, I think, you know, Montreal is in the creative space. And so I, I'm constantly inspired by him creatively. I see, I see his work, I see his passion and, you know, sometimes just vibing together creatively, you know, he'll be listening to a song for the 108th time to see when he's going to put through a show and um I'm I'm doing my thing writing and it's just it's a nice exchange of creative energy in our home and I'm I'm so grateful for that I'm so grateful to have him as an example to kind of um show me about taking leaps of faith and um and so that really is a part of part of the whole story and then yeah our children Carter I mean all of my children love to read but Carter is just like you put a book on a bed he walks by it he's gonna pick it up he does not walk by anything (laughs) Um, he loves reading and so um, I'm constantly thanks to him and to all of them I'm constantly around children's literature and so that only helps me um, be exposed to the language, the flow of stories and children's lit and um, get ideas. And they just, they, the fearless, like, um, belief and hope that children have, it, it just, that in itself just inspires me. You know, sometimes I'll be worrying, what is this publisher going to say? What if they say no? And meanwhile, you know, when I pick them up from school, they ask me, when is your book being published? Like, when is it happening? Because it's definitely happening. They have no blocks. They have no worries at all. And so I am so grateful to them for that limitless belief in me. Um, Carter had homework one day and I never look at his homework. I don't know what made me look, but he had to use the word right in a sentence, W-R-I-T-E, and, and use it in a different form. And his sentence was, my mother is a writer, period. And I was like, wow, I Point I blank, period. Like <laughs> there are no, I don't have to, I don't have to question, I don't have to wait until a publisher tells me that. I just am. Thank you, Carter. <laughs> oh, these babies are so magical. <laughs> Um, also, just so everybody who's listening knows we are going to be blessed by Montreal McKay's presence later in the season. Um, yes. 
with a special with a special guest um, on his episode <laughs> because I'm just gonna leave it there but just know that like you're gonna get the full scope of the magic that happens in the McKay residence because yeah. I can I can tell you firsthand it is otherworldly and yeah. it pushes me all the way from Brooklyn Brooklyn to LA pushes me to be great and to just go and do things every day and I'm not even in their physical presence I love um, it. it's so, mutual yeah the whole, the whole family I mean I've grown up with all of you shout out to the sister cousins um my whole um uh, family and you know I, I would say like there's a there's a book out now by an author happens to be a friend Eve Rodsky called Unicorn Space and it's basically the concept that we need, especially women, her book is geared towards women, but we need, in, in, especially in this busy and demanding world, um, we need to find time to dedicate to our creativity and our passions, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, I'm blessed to have grown up with parents who modeled that for me. And so, you know, my mom, whether it was through her gardening or reading about natural medicine, she always had her passion. My father loves music and loves curating and putting together um, albums back then, you know, CDs. And so I've always grown up seeing unicorn space. And, and so, yeah, uh, again, my, my cousins, I feel like we should all have mentors that are younger than we are even you know so my younger cousins they've started look at you everyone is doing something starting businesses podcasts and so I'm constantly um, being mentored and being inspired by people all around me and um, and you know I love the arts I love I've started collecting art and so seeing the young I, I really love what a lot of young Black artists are doing right now. Um, and so seeing them, many of them are very young, but to dedicate your whole livelihood and career to the arts, you don't know how people are going to receive it. You don't, that, that's just so amazing to me and so inspiring. And so um, anyway, yeah, lots of inspiration all around. Lots of treasures, if you, if you can oh. see them. A lot of treasures. So, I mean, you said you wanted to be Khadija James. Would you say that in a 90s kind of world, you're glad you've got your girl? Because oh we definitely God. have a unicorn space. Yeah. See how I wrap that back together. Oh, my gosh. This is why you are the wordsmith of the family, the creative genius that you are. <laughs> Oh my, my brain just, is just like an endless, endless stream of I, pop culture reference, <laughs> literary references, historical references, oh and hood rat shit. Like, I just don't know how it all sits up there, but it does. I, I'm just waiting for your book because your mind is just amazing. So oh, from your, from your lips <laughs> to God's ears, because boy, do I have things to share. Um, <laughs> So just to kind of wrap up our time together, which it's never, it's never enough time, never enough. 
I know. If you could sum up your journey to this point in three words or a three, you know, three word fa- phrase, yeah. what, what would that be? Mm. The first thing that comes to my mind, it's, it, it's cliche, but it's follow your heart. Um, I think that, you know, as I said, way back, as you challenged me to think about, you know, in childhood, these dreams were already planted in me. And at different points, sometimes I listened to them, sometimes I didn't, but I knew when it felt right. And so um, I'm grateful that for the most part, I have listened to those God whispers and listened to my heart. Um, Maybe a better, less cliche way of saying it another three word phrase is surrender to God. That's my, one of my favorite words is surrender. And the answers are always in us. If we just kind of be still, if we listen, if we um, tap into our feelings, like when you feel your heart racing and feel out of place or feel that's maybe a sign that maybe, maybe that's, but when something feels good and it feels so right, we know that. We, we know that from childhood. I, I see it in my children. So yeah, surrender to God. I think that's all we need to do. And I'm grateful that for the most part in, in a lot of my journey, um, I've had the foundation, love and support that has allowed me to tap into that and to listen. My drop, my drop. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that that concludes our time together for now. <laughs> um, always with you, always with me. Comes out April twenty sixth. Yes. Um, pre order now. Pre order now. Um, just know if you're listening to this and you have a child from here on out, you will be receiving this book as part of your baby shower <laughs> gift. Um, can't stop, won't stop. Yes. Uh, <laughs> just so everybody's clear, this is a thing now. Oh. Um, like fruitcakes on Christmas. I love you so much. And, and tax and tax day being on the 15th. Like it's you- just <laughs> know that it's gonna happen. Oh my gosh. My uh, biggest fan, and I'm yours. I stand and, so hard. Um, I'm so excited for our two-person after party after this to continue the love fest <laughs> yeah uh, sorry y'all you're not getting any extra clips this is where we end um can people find you on the interwebs anywhere do we want to plug yes. yeah where can um, the people find you right now I have limited it just to kind of protect my time so I'm only on one which is Instagram and it's at McKay XO M-C-K-A-Y-X-O um and but where Lauren is, that's where I am. <laughs> I mean, basically, pull up. <laughs> pull up. You may or may not get a glimpse of our personal tidy guru, um, the one, the only Claude daughter, aka Claude. <laughs> yes. Claudie Dottie, we like the potty. Um, I love you so much. Thank you for coming on my show. I love you more. Thank you for having this space and for 
bringing your light to the world to see. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to end with one last air horn. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> see you next time.